Dr. Katrina Fury, a psychiatrist. And I'm Portia Pendleton, a licensed clinical social worker. And And this this is Analyze Scripts, a podcast where two shrinks analyze the depiction of mental health in movies and TV shows. Our hope is that you learn some legit info about mental Mm -hmm. health while feeling like you're chatting with your girlfriends. There is so much misinformation out there and it drives us nuts. And if someday we pay off our student loans or land a sponsorship, like with a lay flat airline or a major beauty brand, even better. So sit back, relax, grab some popcorn and your DSM-5 and enjoy. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, welcome back to another episode of Analyze Scripts. This is Dr. Katrina Fury. I'm a psychiatrist, and today, well, every time, I'm joined by my friend and colleague, Portia Pendleton. I am a social worker, and we are so glad that you are joining us here today. All right, well, why don't we jump right into shrinking episodes four through six. So where did we leave off? I think um, one thing we left off on was really wondering if we would see Paul and Gabby in session, mm-hmm. and we did get to see that a little bit, and I yep. thought of you immediately. I was like, "Me too." I wonder what Portia's thinking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so Gabby, we see in kind of like a couples, couples therapy. therapy. Which I was like, "I love this for you." Yes. And I kind of noted um, that the woman wasn't wearing shoes. Oh, I didn't. I did oh. notice that. I always wonder. We're when... good at picking up on like the space that they're in, <laughs> right? When therapy is going on, I did not pick up on the bare feet. Um, not Gabby had her shoes on. Correct. It was the female Correct. patient of the couple yeah. who took them off. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> how do you feel about it? I don't. I don't love that. I don't um, love it either. I just don't like. I. I wouldn't say like I don't like feet. I just, <laughs> you know, I think 
everyone should do their own thing at their home, you know? Right. I feel like it conveys a level of comfort in the therapy office mm-hmm. that I'm not sure is appropriate. So, you know, it just kind of like makes a me wonder. You know? Right, exactly. Like, or someone yeah. with a neurocognitive issue or, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. Right, like a fully functioning adult woman right. in the presence of an adult um, like professional. professional mm-hmm. who, and there is a racial difference, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. It's just interesting. Mm-hmm. And those are the kind of details I wonder, like, did they know what they were doing? Or not. Yeah. Like, did she have her shoes on? They were like, mm, no, take them off. Take them like, off. Yeah, mm, yeah. What does that mean? Yeah. No, that's that's a good catch. I um, They asked Gabby at one point, like, well, what do you do? And I thought that was something mm-hmm. that happens. You mm-hmm. know, I, I don't know if it, I would say, like, frequently, but, like, it comes up. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, think, for sure. You know, there's so many different ways to respond to that question, depending on what they're asking, depending on what your relationship with the patient is, depending on you know, why they want to know. I mean, there's so many mm-hmm. kind of ways to come back at mm-hmm. that. Um, I think it was interesting because Gabby is like getting divorced or she's she is divorced, you know, she's in that process. And I just, I think that made me feel like, oh, like, you know, sometimes patients and, you know, you, not, not having to do with the response or what you then say, but like are going through something maybe that like you went through yes. or, or ask something that like, you it's know, close to home. If, if that was your therapist, that would be a moment. And you really, you know, obviously, of, of course, are then having a boundary and really mm-hmm. like kind of putting it back on them. But like uh, that happens sometimes. You just kind of have to swallow whatever emotion might come up for yeah. you and then, you know, reflect back and kind of mm-hmm. make it about the patient. I don't know if she did that, though. I feel like she kind of answered it as what she would do. And I remember thinking like, mm-hmm. again, this is a show. It's theatrical. Um you know, and especially I think we see with Jimmy, I just yeah keep yeah. really getting more and more disappointed yeah. with his approach. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it highlights the importance of boundaries in the therapeutic relationship by showing what happens when there aren't good boundaries. Right. Right. And even something like that, like that happens a lot um, when a patient's like, well, what would you do? Especially if it's like a personal issue. I feel like this used to happen to me more in my medical training, like especially rotating like in the ICU Hmm. or the neuro ICU when you're talking with families about like end-of-life care or things like that. A lot of times families feel so understandably overwhelmed and distraught and like they really don't know like what is Mm. the best decision at this point and they are really relying on your medical expertise to sort of guide them into when is it time to move from a lot of invasive measures to what we call more comfort measures. Mm -hmm. situation, it feels more appropriate to me. Um, You know, a lot of times in those situations, patients or their families might, well, I guess families would say like, what would you do if it was your mom or things like Mm -hmm, that? mm -hmm. That's hard. Um, In situations like that, it feels a little more, again, you don't have to say like, well, if it was my mom, I would do this. Or when it was my mom, I did this. But it does feel like guiding them a little more directly can be helpful Mm -hmm. in someone's Mm -hmm. time of like overwhelming yeah, you know, distress. But in therapy situations, especially I think in couples therapy, where I thought this, you know, scene really demonstrated so well, like a reason I don't do couples therapy, because it always is so hard mm-hmm. to like, be the therapist and not pick a side, yeah. you know, or, or for the, the, the couple themselves, the different members to feel like you're not picking mm-hmm. a side. And um, I loved when she was like, don't do that to me to the guy when he yeah. was trying yeah. to do it. Um, I don't know. 
Yeah, that was funny. She was, no, no, we're not using that point system. Nope, Nope, I did not say that. I thought that was funny. Right, like, oh, see, I win, or I got another. So she's like, nope, Mm -hmm. no, I'm shutting that down. So I thought that was really good. Um, And again, like a little bit playful. And I think mm -hmm. like it seems like, you know, she had that rapport with them. So it felt Mm -hmm. like it landed well. And Mm -hmm. they maybe were like, ha, 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 inside. Like, okay. Right, right. stop. (laughs) Did you notice any details about her office? So I did notice the um, stickers all over her laptop. Um, I noticed her scrunchies right on the – like on the um, lamp or something. I I thought it was fun. Mm -hmm. I thought it was – like it fit her – um, personality. character, personality, vibe, style in the show mm-hmm. with, like, colors. Um, I thought it almost, I guess, seemed a little, like, um, I, I don't want to say, like, childlike, but, like, her I desk agree, was, though. like, and, and because it was in the office where patients could see, you know, it's, right. like, it just seemed a little, I don't know, like. A little immature. Yeah, like, yeah. I was thinking, like, this would be great if she's working with teenagers yes. or kids yeah, or, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So I wonder you know, treating this adult mm-hmm. couple like what their view yeah. of those decorations were. Yeah. Um, but again, I totally agree. It definitely like fits her her personality mm-hmm. and vibe. And it's so different from Jimmy's office, mm-hmm. um, yeah. which I thought yeah. was much more like traditional, um, pretty classic. I thought also well done mm-hmm. therapy office. Yep. You know, you had the desk again his degrees on the wall i don't love that we talked about that in our episode about what about bob mm-hmm. um but the desk was behind where he sits with his patient yep. i think maybe there was like a little coffee table in between them but it wasn't obstructive right and in episode one we saw that there was another option for seating right we one of the patients was almost like right kind like of a, kind of next yeah, to him yeah, yeah he yep. had like two chairs and a couch mm-hmm. which i think is nice to yeah. give people um, sort of a choice. Mm-hmm. He had these beautiful big windows. Yeah. It was a nice, nice big, big office. Big yeah, I really liked it. Um, and then Paul's office, I don't remember the details as much, which probably, again, signifies his like rigid boundaries. True. There's probably true. not a lot of personal yeah. effects in there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's probably really like to the book, yeah. which makes sense. And like, I think for both of Jimmy and Paul's office, like it, you know, as uh, I guess appropriately, like it was more. You know, a, a male vibe, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, right. leather. Yeah. Um, da- like, darker. Dark. Um, and then Gabby's was really, like, bright colorful. and colorful. Yeah. 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 yeah, totally agree. Um, so, again, I feel like that's going to be a theme as we keep doing this podcast. Mm-hmm. It's just I love analyzing their offices. Yeah. And I didn't see anything sharp, any sharp stuff in their offices yet, which is, like, great. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. very appropriate. Yeah. And, and I would expect that with Paul, you know? Like, 100%. Like, he knows, like yeah. – you know, you sit closer to the door. Mm-hmm. Like, he knows mm-hmm. the drill yeah. here. He's he's done this once or twice. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, we continue to see um, oh God. John and Jimmy's inappropriate oh. relationship. I think in episode four, they, like, carpool to therapy together, right? I know. And I was <laughs> just like, oh, my gosh, stop. <laughs> stop, please. I mean, I, I love, too, that we're, like, talking about it like that is just the most egregious thing. Yeah. But let's remember, he's yeah. living with him, right, exactly. like, in his pool house. Yeah. Um, and I did write down, I thought a really funny line was, like, when they got there, Sean's like, why did we have to do this here? Can't yeah. we, like, talk at home? And Jimmy's like, well, my notebook's here. Yeah. You know? <laughs> It's like okay, yeah. I was um, I was curious what he was going to say. You know, well, we have to keep this, you know, boundary. I was like, well, it's it's not, not. like so. the the horse has left this, the stable, yeah. so to speak. 
Um, and yeah, in episode four, we really see like three different therapeutic relationships, Jimmy and Sean, Jimmy and Wally, who's the female patient with OCD, mm-hmm. and then Jimmy and Grace. And we're seeing how like, oh my gosh, turns out his approach isn't working so right, great. Right. You know, so we have Grace who's not returning his calls yep. since he saw her back with the the husband that he encouraged her to leave. And um, told her, you know, I won't see you. I right? won't be your therapist yeah. anymore if you stay with him. And that's like, ooh, real harmful, yeah. real harmful thing to say, mm-hmm. you know. Again, like I would imagine in her relationship with her husband, it the love already feels conditional. Like she has mm-hmm. to do X, Y, and Z to avoid him yelling at her or maybe beating her. Who knows? Um, and then Jimmy just sort of re uh, replays that yeah. in the therapeutic relationship, which is really unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think about uh, the scene with Wally, the OCD patient. So I initially was like, oh, this is really the patient to be doing this with, right? Yes, like the exposure, home exposure and response. You're mm-hmm. sitting, you know, in on her couch and, you know, in her outside her. Clothes. Yep. And then, like, hopefully, um, again, like, coaching her through maybe a panic attack, like mm-hmm. maybe some kind of response and like mm-hmm. helping her stay um, as calm as possible and then giving her, you know, the confidence that she can do this. Right. And then, you know, you she she sits down and I'm like, wow, this is going great. This like, is a great depiction is, of ERP. Yeah, this is it. And then she leans over and, you know, goes to That's lean it. in for a kiss. And I, you know, I that came out of left field as I'm like, yay, ERP yeah. in, in action. And I was like, wow. Like, And then I'm thinking, you know, 10 seconds later, two seconds later, like, of course. Like, of course. He's in her home, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I feel like they probably didn't have a lot of prep for mm-hmm. this. Like, I feel like he just is doing these things instead of like, okay, we're doing this really planful thing. Mm-hmm. She also, I feel like, has a little bit of a loose boundary because brian right had come barged in 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 her session and like shared all this private information Mm -hmm. about jimmy and then again so it's like she now has kind of moved from patient with this clear boundary to Mm -hmm. this weird inappropriate role Mm -hmm. a hundred percent i agree i was also hopeful about the erp Mm -hmm. um that stands for exposure and response prevention therapy which is the gold standard treatment for um things like ocd Mm -hmm. to help patients um like learn how to implement coping skills in the moment and ride out that wave without engaging in compulsive behaviors, like changing from your outside clothes into your inside yep. clothes sounds like what she was struggling with. I liked when he was like, why do you need me to take my shoes off? And she's like, oh, well, I've been to Japan. And he was like, no, you haven't. And she's like, well, they do it there. And he's like, no, like this is because again, like again. that is mm-hmm. absolutely appropriate, like within a cultural context. And like, is that what she why she is doing that no, no. Right. right it's more for her right. in line with the ocd mm-hmm. um yeah and then she leans into a kiss him not once but twice yes <laughs> um and i was like wow here is you know erotic transference mm-hmm. right in our faces mm-hmm. you know when you're doing therapy with patients it's not uncommon for patients and sometimes even the therapists themselves to develop feelings about each other. Mm-hmm. Like, why, why wouldn't you? You're both humans. You both come into the room with your own experiences. Um, it's a and level of care. A level of yeah. care, exactly. And sometimes patients haven't really felt that level of care or attention mm-hmm. in other relationships before. So you might develop these feelings of longing or love or even sometimes sexual feelings. Mm-hmm. Um And again, that's where it's very important that the therapist has good training, good supervision, um, and knows how to sort of help the patient verbalize that 
and learn that it's safe to talk about all feelings, right. even the uncomfortable ones, and then manage it. Unlike Dr. Nikki from you, if you go back, who <laughs> yeah, sort of yeah. exploits that and takes mm-hmm. advantage of his patients when that stuff comes up. So again, everything from like, how close are your chairs? Um, you know, physical boundaries mm-hmm. of touch and then things like that are also important here. Erotic transference is when a patient develops these um, these sort of loving or sometimes sexual feelings toward their therapist. A lot of times we think, you know, it might start off in their subconscious, like they're not totally aware of it, um, but then it becomes conscious, like in this case where Wally kiss, tries mm-hmm. to kiss mm-hmm. Jimmy. Um, erotic countertransference is the fancy way of saying, you know, the therapist is having those feelings toward the patient. Right. So like transference is a feeling being directed from the patient to the therapist. Countertransference mm-hmm. is the other way around. Um, so again, this was sort of like a maybe silly uh, way of depicting that, but I thought it was interesting. And, and like you were saying, Portia, how, you know, how much did that earlier boundary violation with Brian just storming in mm-hmm contribute to, you know, further boundary uh, unravelings, which can happen. That's why boundaries are so important Mm -hmm. right from the get-go. Of course you would never want to be, you know, have have someone you know in your personal life throw, you know, slam the door open, come in the room when you're in with a patient and share personal information about you. I feel like to (laughs) a degree with what's shared – you can potentially make a repair talking about it, mm-hmm. like having a, maybe a couple sessions even about it like yes. and seeing if you can get past it. And if you can't, you know, then obviously you're making a referral. But, you know, I think maybe that did happen. Maybe we didn't see it. Again, this is a TV show. Mm-hmm. But, you know, because we didn't, I'm assuming that it didn't happen. Right. Um, and also Jimmy just seems to have extraordinarily poor boundaries. So And like, was he always that way and it got worse mm. in his grief? Or is this like a 180? I I don't know. I think mm-hmm. maybe there was like a little, little flare of it, like a tiny, you know, maybe he was like a little bit more little daring. More, yeah. Um, but I think the grief like pummeled him into yeah. the stratosphere. Yeah, it yeah. seems like it. Throughout the, you know, the three episodes, um, four through six, kind of building even like some sexual tension with Alice. Oh, my God. Coming from Alice, you know, like on, you know, more clearly, I was nervous throughout the entire Mm -hmm. three sessions that it was going to be reciprocated. Mm -hmm. Me too. Um, And then in episode um, six, when it wasn't, I was like really, 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 really happy, really proud of Sean. But then I was like, why am I proud of Sean? Like, that's what he should have done, right? Like right. he's this adult. If he is a veteran and he's he's home now, it's like I'm assuming he's at at a at least, least early twenties, right. at least like a minimum of twenty two, like maybe at least. Yeah. I think it depends on you know how old he was when he enlisted, right. how right. long he served. But right. he got to be eighteen to enlist, right. and then so he's at least nineteen or twenty, yeah. right? Like yeah. at least, but probably a little older. Mm-hmm. And she's in high school. Right. And, and I, I think she's a junior because she's like mm-hmm. talking about colleges next year, and thinking about them to apply. So, you know, she's like 16, 17, 17 at the high end, maybe even 15 if it's the beginning of the year. Right. So I was really happy, you know, that Sean was like, whoa, 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 like, and, you know, put that boundary. Where I was like, wow, like, you're a decent human being. But then I was so mad at Jimmy for creating this whole situation yeah. for both of yes. them. Like, it's so damaging for Sean. 100%. It's so damaging for Alice. Yeah. 
That's why it's like, what in the world are you thinking? Right. And Alice, you know, had disclosed to Jimmy, which is where I thought that this would all end when they went for the walk. Mm-hmm. And Sean, like, kind of did some climb the water tower um, behaviors that really freaked Alice out. But then she disclosed to her dad. And then, like, even Jimmy hearing Alice when she, like, opens the door right to the pool house and she's like, oh, like, you're so beautiful. And you see, I knew he was in there and I was Mm -hmm. waiting and he pops up and he's like horrified. And I was like, okay, there we go. Like, you are now founding housing. Like, I don't care what you do. You're also in this. You're going to do something inappropriate because you kind of have to at this point. But get him out of the house. I know. I know. And then it's just like, dude, how would you not see this coming from a mile away? You know, and it just makes me really mad. Like, I just, as the episodes, excuse me, keep going on, I just get more and more infuriated with Mm -hmm. Jimmy and the fact that he's hurting all of these people around him. And I get it. Like, he is really hurting but the damage he's doing is really great, especially like to, to his own daughter, mm-hmm. to his patients, um, his friends. Yeah, it's yeah. really, really bad. You know, I mean, so he moves in this patient, like totally inappropriate. And then even in episode four, he's like pushing him to open up about his time mm-hmm. overseas, mm-hmm. which you just don't do. And he even said as he's like jumping on the trampoline, he said something like, "Oh, yes. open up to me. I need a win today. I know. Oh, Oh, that made my skin crawl. Yeah. And it's like we had already seen that with Jimmy in the earlier episodes that he was really sort of behaving for selfish reasons mm-hmm. as this therapist. Mm-hmm. Like, again, like, I have this new approach. It's working. Like, this is great. You know, trying to make himself feel better right. in his grief. But to say it that directly oh, was so disgusting. And I think Sean even said to him, like, fuck you. Yeah. And appropriately yeah. so. Um, but it's just really – I'm so worried about Sean. Yeah. Um, it's so – I mean, it's really dangerous what Jimmy so dangerous. has him in the position of. And and even so, like, again, can you imagine if Sean had responded to Alice? It's like – I know. Jimmy, I mean, yes, we're all responsible for our specific behaviors at the end of the day. But, like, Jimmy, you put you have him created in this, this position. situation. Right. And you've also created this situation now for your daughter right. who has lost her mother and is grieving mm-hmm. to f- grow attached to someone and now feel rejected. Right. Good job, yep. dad of the year. Like, I'm just so angry at him. Yeah. <clears throat> I know. I I was mad at Jimmy a lot of the time in these episodes. And then, mm-hmm. like, you know, then he apologizes to, to Sean. I'm like, it's not enough. It's like, totally it's, not enough. The entire thing is so damaging. so damaging. So anything that he's doing, regardless of then him naming it later, which, again, like, oh, some of the things are good. And, like, you know, we can misspeak in a session. We can push too hard. And then, and then maybe we do apologize to the patient or say, you know, mm-hmm. hey, like, I – you know, I took this risk. You're not ready. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. You know, there's ways to repair, stuff like that. But again, because it's already coming from such an inappropriate place, it feels really, really, really dangerous. It does. And I'm that's where I'm just like, and Paul, you're not intervening? Like, come on, Paul. Mm-hmm. I get the sense Paul, like, owns the practice. Yeah. I might be making that up in my own head. But it's concerning to me that no one's, like, legitimately mm-hmm. intervening on behalf of these patients. Right. right. Um. And, you know, I think as we get to know Sean better, it seems like he's the central patient character, you know, in yeah, the show. Yeah. There's other patients. I, I miss the angry man. Um, but I, it seems like that's the central doctor or therapist-patient relationship. Mm-hmm. Once we knew he was a veteran, you start thinking, oh, he's probably going to, you know, depict PTSD. And, and as these sort of episodes go on, you totally see yeah. the symptoms of PTSD. We wanted to talk about, like, what is PTSD? Yeah. How do you recognize it? How do you help people with it? 
So it seems that, you know, there was really an exposure, which there, which like is the kind of first criteria that you look at. It doesn't have to be direct. So right. you could experience something firsthand, um, see something happen to someone else firsthand, learn about something 100%. that happened to someone else. So, you know, if we think about like first responder kind of walking into a scene, and like, you know, they're, they're. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. We're seeing it, or if then the first responder goes home and talks to their partner about it in a really, really graphic way, it. like, right. again, kind of so on and so forth. Or, right, like if a person was a, um, a part of some kind of... Um, trauma i mean it can, mm-hmm. and we talk about big t little t like mm-hmm. so it doesn't have to be war um you know car accidents or um natural disaster like in a really scary way skiing feeling like mm-hmm. you are drowning for a moment like mm-hmm. all of these things can really kind of trigger that right. response childhood neglect yep. um yep. stalking yep which we talk yep. about a lot yep that's so important i think for for people to understand is i think classically we think about ptsd coming from a big T trauma, Mm -hmm. something like a singular episode of something really bad that happened to you, like a car accident, a sexual assault, um, war, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. But there's also, and I don't love the big T, little T because I I don't want to minimize the other stuff. I think it's just to say like, there's more to it than that. Right. I could be misremembering this, but I believe with the latest version of the DSM, which is um, sort of the diagnostic manual that mental health professionals use. Mm-hmm. Um, again, not everyone fits neatly into these little boxes, but it helps give you at least some scaffold, some framework. Um, they did add to, you know, this definition of trauma, not just something you've directly experienced, right. but bearing witness to mm-hmm. it, hearing about it, witnessing something on the news that um, you're afraid could happen, like school mm-hmm. shootings. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really good example that even if you haven't personally experienced that, like collectively our culture yeah. is really traumatized by that. Mm-hmm. Um, COVID, mm-hmm. we have all experienced sure. a big T trauma. Um, so that's part of it. And so clearly for Sean, being a veteran going to war, a mm-hmm. lot of traumas, I'm yeah. sure, involved, you know, whether it was combat, whether mm-hmm. it was just being on alert all the time. Um, there can be some really toxic traits, unfortunately, of military culture. 
Um, so certainly he, he displays that. Yeah. And then um, the other classic symptoms of PTSD – yeah, so like um, typically they're, you're presenting with some kind of avoidance symptoms. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're trying to not remember it. You don't mm-hmm. want to talk about it. Um, trying to avoid kind of any reminders of the mm-hmm. experience. Mm-hmm. Um, some intrusion symptoms kind of regardless of the avoidance. So right. you might be having flashbacks, nightmares, um, just kind of thoughts popping into your head without mm-hmm. you um, wanting them to be there. Right. Um, against your will, um, so to speak. So right. I could, often think mm-hmm. of it as like a soda bottle. Mm-hmm. Um, like yes. if you shake it up. Um and it might just pop the lid off. Like you right. have no control of it no anymore. Control. And right. so ideally, right, like even if you have experienced something that was really significantly stressful or or a trauma, like you want control over that lid. You want mm-hmm. to be able to open it and nothing comes out. You can, you know, you can glance in, think about it, mm-hmm. process it. And then you have the control and the power and the ability to put kind of back on the lid. Yeah. Um, and when I think you are experiencing trauma symptoms, you have no control of that lid. It's right. popping on and off all the time, going everywhere, um, right. kind of making you feel really activated and other um, symptoms like hyper arousal, Mm -hmm. hyper vigilance. Um, Oftentimes people with PTSD are really jumpy, Mm -hmm. you know, like, like a door could slam and they like jump out of their seat. I'll never forget in my training, we were doing neuropsych testing with a veteran and someone shut a door like down the hall, like it wasn't that loud. And he jumped up and like opened our door. And it was like the most striking example of Mm -hmm. hyper arousal I'd seen up to that point. Um, but even like in your day to day, you just, just jump a little more jumpy than usual. Um, like even things as, as simple as like you're getting your eyebrows waxed and they rip it off. You might just jump more than the, another person. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some other, you know, the, I think the other classic, um, category of symptoms would be altered mood. Mm-hmm. Um, and thoughts about yourself, other people, and the kind world. of the safety of the world yeah. around you. Exactly. So I love your soda bottle example. I think that's great, especially because I think of it as like the avoidant behaviors, which sometimes include things like drug or alcohol abuse, mm, or yeah. like we talked about before, overworking is another big one. Mm-hmm. Um, just throwing yourself into work or some other activity to avoid, to try to avoid thinking about it. The problem is with avoidance, that's basically the same thing as like shaking up the soda bottle. Mm. It will come out yeah. in some way. Um, and that's one of like the first steps in treating PTSD, right, is helping people feel comfortable to start like staying with those thoughts and memories when they come up and processing them. PTSD, the neurobiology is really fascinating. Um, We think of it as a disorder of kind of stuckness. Um, So most people will experience at least one trauma in their life, if not more. Um, And so, again, that doesn't just include major, major things like war or natural disasters. It includes like a home invasion, like all sorts of different things. Um, so most people will experience that. And what happens in your brain, so this is where I get to nerd out because I love neuroscience. So when you experience something scary, this deep part of your brain called the amygdala lights up really, really quickly, really strongly. And it's a primitive part of our brains that we share with other animals like reptiles, birds, you know, like all other animals that have some form of of, um, cognitive function, but they don't have like the parts of our brain, the frontal lobes that make us humans. Mm -hmm. So the amygdala lights up really quick and it, you know, sends neural signals to the parts of your brain that are meant to get you out of danger. 
So that's where we think about the fight, flight, freeze, or fawn approach. Mostly people talk about it as like fight or flight. Those are like the major things. You know, the parts of your brain to either fight for your life, get lit up, or to flight, to run away. You know, the motor parts of your brain to like get your body out of there. Um, There's also that, you know, you might freeze or play dead or feel paralyzed. That's really scary. And then you might fawn or, you know, we kind of saw this in you when people were trapped in the cage. They would try to like appeal to their their, uh, tormentor by fawning over them, getting on their good side, you know, trying to like stay in their good graces so that they could survive. You know, you think about if someone's like kidnapped or something like that. Um, so when your amygdala gets activated and you're terrified and under, um, going through some sort of traumatic event, those parts of your brain get lit up really quick and you try to get out of there as as best you can. Um, the example I often use with patients is like a fender bender. So let's say you're like in a fender bender, right? Everyone like, oh my God, my car got tapped. Like your adrenaline immediately like fires, right? You feel a little shaky, maybe a little weak, a little nervous. If there's anyone else in the car, you kind of check, make sure they're okay. You might get out of the car, make sure your car's okay, make sure the other person's is okay. And then usually by that point, you're still feeling that adrenaline, but it starts to come down because what's supposed to happen is your frontal lobes. Um, the the part of our brains as humans that's involved in thinking, executive function, reasoning, logic, you know, that part's supposed to come on board. And it feeds back to this loop between the amygdala and these more primitive parts of your brain. And you sort of can say to yourself, whew, okay, we're all right. Mm-hmm. That was scary, but we're all okay. Okay, you know, maybe you exchange insurance information, maybe not, but you like get back in the car and you drive away. Now, your your adrenaline response doesn't immediately go away. You might feel a little shaky as you're driving. You might drive a little slower, be a little more cautious, feel a little shaken up for a while, but eventually you feel back to normal. And that's like how the natural trauma response is meant to be. Mm-hmm. So when we think about PTSD, what happens is that frontal lobe part never turns on and you stay stuck in this loop between the amygdala and those other parts of your brain that just keep firing, 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 firing that that trauma response because it was so terrifying that in any reminder of it in present day just sets it mm-hmm. off. And then if you avoid it, you don't give yourself the chance in your frontal lobes, really, right. the chance to like come on board and help you talk through it. So that's really what a lot of the different therapies and medications treating PTSD are really targeting. Um, and so I, I just find that, A, fascinating. Um, it's so cool that nowadays we do have like functional MRI scans and all these other like brain scans where researchers can really demonstrate this stuff and like demonstrate those loops and then how people get better. So I always tell patients, you know, again, I did a lot of training at the VA. I love treating PTSD because you can get better. Like we know how to help you get better. Can we erase it? Like eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. We should add that to our list, by the way. No. But we can help you be able to like put that lid on the soda, mm-hmm. open it up a little bit, then put it away and not feel so yeah. like just overrun with it. Right. You know, it still might come up, but you're not going to feel so terrified. And that's how you can have like feel more empowered mm-hmm. over it. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I think that's really interesting. Yeah. And I think like Sean is initially, which – you know, as as we kind of know, makes sense. He's having like a lot of avoidance, even yes, within you know the therapeutic re, re, um, re, relationship to not want to go there yet. You know, and, and it's like, so early. Yeah. 
and he doesn't feel safe with Jimmy because he's living at his house and he's got no like boundaries or containment right. or like anything. Right. And then he's pushing him. Oh, it's just awful. Yeah. And it's you see awful. the trigger, right? Of so Sean's dad reaches out and so they and Jimmy pushes him to go. Right. Right. <laughs> so he goes and it seems like it's maybe again okay. maybe it's okay. But then he gives him you know the, the medals. yeah that they framed because again they're so proud of him in that way and like I think that's what's also hard for someone maybe on the outside yeah. who's um you know living or has a relationship with a family member who has really pretty significant PTSD. I'm thinking more of like traditionally speaking of a veteran like yeah. having a really hard time um understanding or helping them or not you know really getting why like he doesn't want to think about it at all. Like he doesn't right. want he you doesn't to feel for service. Yeah, right? like looking at this. Right. right. And again it's like you know, his dad probably needs some therapy too, and they probably need some family therapy to psychoeducation, hundred percent, just to like learn how to help yeah. each other. Um, but that again, I thought was actually a really good depiction of how this stuff can come up in families, and just you can. His dad's trying to come from a good place, right? But it's just missing the mark, and mm-hmm. I think it's just because they don't really know now how to relate to each other. And this is so hard for yeah. Sean to talk about, and being pushed to talk about it before you are ready mm-hmm. is re-traumatizing. Right. And that's so dangerous because these patients have already been through situations where they felt out of control, and it's so important when you're doing this work with people that they feel in control. Mm-hmm. And when you're pushing them to do something before they're ready, yeah. forget it. Just forget it. I went to a talk um, of a veteran who was in school to be a therapist. And so he was sharing um, just some information with then. I think it was his um, like supervisor of the program that he was in who works very you – know, I think her whole job is working mm-hmm. like, within vet- veterans affairs and treatment. And um, he talked a lot about like moral injuries yes. being oh, so yes. difficult to – and again, that's what – he had even shared feels like there's more of in the last couple 100%, 100%. wars than, you know, in the World War One and Two. It was like your duty. You went off and did this. And now um, he talked a lot about his experience in mm-hmm. Iraq. And um, there, you know, it's like there's no rules anymore. There's like 100%. children. There's children who are know, armed. Who are armed. There's there's animals. Yeah. Um, and, and that he shared is is wildly more in his, you know, yes. in his mind, which I tend to agree with, like damaging. Yes. Um, so there's a lot of shame and guilt. And you're not just fighting, you know, a, a, an equal enemy. It's like you're, right. you're doing these horrific things that you never expected to do. 100%. Right. Um, like back in the day, yeah. you know, I think it would be like, you know, the Battle of Bunker Hill. Like both opposing teams like show up at Bunker Hill and they're like, ready, go or yeah. something. Yep. Whereas now it's like there's IEDs. Women and children are armed. Um, the The world of war has has changed, and there's new, totally you know, scary realities out there. Of course, war has always been horrific and traumatizing, right. and and there's no boundaries anymore. It's it can be anywhere, um, and I think that's what makes it especially terrifying. Um, there certainly is a lot more acknowledgement and training and uh, treatment available about PTSD, like now compared to when the Vietnam vets came back. Um, that can actually lead to an interesting tension between different generations of veterans that I saw a lot of in my training. But um, we did just want to put out a plug for the VA um, healthcare system because it can be so 
supportive. And there's so many resources available to veterans. So if you or someone you love is a veteran and um, seeking treatment, please, please reach out to your VA. Um, This is what they do day in and day out. Again, there's so many different VAs around the country. If you've been to one VA, you've only been to one VA. Um, So if you've had a bad experience, please give another one a try. Um, There's so much help and treatment out there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we see Sean like at the you know, at at the beginning stages of treatment in general. And, like, he's also in this really inappropriate relationship. And, mm-hmm. like, I just want him to get really good care. I know. And, and this is – sorry to interrupt you, but it reminded me that, you know, the the fight that initially got him mm-hmm. into sort yep. of, like, court-ordered treatment is super common. And fighting like that is w- – often like a hyper arousal thing you know Mm -hmm. someone could tap you on the shoulder you're a veteran like you spring into action and you can't like your amygdala is firing so quick um so that's a perfect example 100 100 percent, which is another avoidance cluster Mm -hmm. so i'm sure over time we'll keep talking about ptsd um, and talk more about the different treatments available but so far sean is i think a pretty good depiction of it Mm -hmm. and i'm really dissatisfied with the care that he's getting yeah yeah. we see in episode six um um, kind of at the end, we see Paul kind of being able to pull at Sean a little bit and have him open up. And and they're in the pool house and, like, Jimmy is really, like, mad again and I making know. it about himself. And he's like, well, why aren't you opening up to me? Or, or, I, I can't believe this. And it's like, hmm, maybe, maybe it's because you're in a really inappropriate relationship with a client. Maybe he's not ready. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it's an age thing. Maybe Paul, you know, is playing to some sort of – you know, friendly mm-hmm. mentor, father Paternal figure, figure. I don't right. know, He's for like, Sean. Right. Um, also, maybe it's, you know, Paul was like, you know, it'll really piss Jimmy yeah, off if yeah. he opened up They're to They're aligning. Yeah. They're drinking a beer yeah. together. Yeah, not great yeah. boundary. I think also Paul sharing something about him helped in that situation. And, you know, it, it brings up again the topic of like self-disclosure. Like when is it okay? When is it not okay? I thought personally that sharing – the specifics about like his diagnosis and with his daughter was too far, um, but I th- I liked the the gist of it, mm-hmm. and I think you know if this were real life and like real treatment, there would be a way to share it, something like in generalities, like you know we all have things that is really hard to talk to our family members about, you know I right. don't know stuff like that, right. yeah. Gosh, so we have spent already like a whole episode just on this, and we really want to dive into Harrison Ford Mm -hmm. and the weed gummies. Um, So I think we're going to wrap up there, and we're actually going to split this into two episodes. You know, we're just flying by the seat of our pants. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, just hit next if you would like to hear about that. Oh, my God. Maybe we'll do like a double drop or something. Like, woohoo. We can figure that out. That's exciting. Um, so thank you for listening. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Um, follow us on Instagram at Analyze Scripts. Check out our website, www.analyzescripts.com. And feel free to email us at analyzescriptspodcast at gmail.com with any recommendations, any thoughts, any questions. And we'll see you next time. Yeah. Bye. Bye. This podcast and its contents are a copyright of Analyzed Scripts, all rights reserved. Any redistribution or reproduction of part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited. Unless you want to share it with your friends and rate, review, and subscribe. That's fine. All stories and characters discussed are fictional in nature. No identification with actual persons, living or deceased, places, buildings, or products is intended or should be inferred. 
This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The podcast and its contents do not constitute professional, mental health, or medical advice. Listeners might consider consulting a mental health provider if they need assistance with any mental health problems or concerns. As always, please call 911 or go directly to your nearest emergency room for any psychiatric emergencies. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast and its contents are a copyright of analyzed scripts, all rights reserved. Any redistribution or reproduction of part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited. Unless you want to share it with your friends and rate, review, and subscribe, that's fine. All stories and characters discussed are fictional in nature. No identification with actual persons, living or deceased, places, buildings, or products is intended or should be inferred. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The podcast and its contents do not constitute professional, mental health, or medical advice. Listeners might consider consulting a mental health provider if they need assistance with any mental health problems or concerns. As always, please call 911 or go directly to your nearest emergency room for any psychiatric emergencies. Thanks for listening and see you next time.